All right, Sixers fans, welcome to part two of Sixers Daily. If you didn't catch part one, I talked to LSU assistant coach Tasman Mitchell about the future of Tari Eason, what he was like in his one season with the Tigers. So definitely check that out. Joining me for this one, he covers the Golden State Warriors for our SB Nation sister site, goldenstateofmind.com, Mr. Brady Klopfer. Brady, first off, this is like, how many times are you going to get to do this in a decade? What is this, four, fourth and eight years now? You get to watch your team, uh, or pardon me, uh, yeah, what is it, sixth time now they're going to be there in, in eight years. What's it like just being a fan of the Warriors and not only being a fan, but getting to cover this team too? Jazz, it's crazy because, you know, it's not just that the Warriors are in their sixth finals in eight years and have a, you know, on the brink of winning their fourth title in those eight years, but they were so bad for so long before this happened. So, you know, I think sometimes we look at dynasties and we think of like, all right, if the Lakers string together a few championships, it's not that big of a deal. You know, they've been here, they've done it before, but with the Warriors, it's like, if you're not a recent fan, you've grown up watching this team that just could do nothing. And, you know, for many years, you weren't watching the Warriors to see if they could win. You were watching the Warriors to see if Jason Richardson would do a cool dunk because what else was there to watch for, you know? Um, So truthfully, eight years of this, I still haven't internalized the fact that they're one of the best teams of all time. Um, I haven't internalized the fact that they have one of the best players of all time. Uh, And it's one of those things where, you know, not to sound kind of like a like a pessimist or, or Debbie Downer or whatever here, but like you kind of have to appreciate it because realistically it's probably not going to get better than this for Warriors fans. You know, you we're, we're probably not going to root for a team that has a stretch like this. Again, the odds just aren't in your favor to really ever do this again. So it's been cool. It's been fun. And I'm trying to just kind of enjoy it because for a while there, it looked like maybe it was over and now it's clearly not. So you're saying Sixers fans should have some hope that maybe they'll be able to see a run like this at some point in their hell yeah, (laughs) hell yeah. And when it comes, appreciate the hell out of it because it might not come again. Well, I know. And then that's the interesting part. Even though you look at the NFL, obviously that crazy run that the Patriots had, although the Eagles did did beat them that one year. But looking at that, it's like when you become this good, you're going to have some haters as well. And and so when you look at the at the Warriors and, you know, back in 2015, when when they won that first championship with Steve Kerr, they were like the darlings of the NBA, you know, like, wow, look at these guys, these, you know, young bucks with Steph and Clay and, and Draymond they obviously had Iguodala and you, and you look at this team and you're like, wow, you know, that what a cool story for the Warriors. As you mentioned, they weren't very good for the 30 years, 40 years before then. And now they just become the opposite, right? People don't really necessarily want them to win. Although a lot of Lakers fans, um, Celtics fans, people who are just natural rivals of, of the, uh, of the Celtics. So pardon me, Sixers and, and Lakers fans there. Um, are united on that front. But when you're looking at how this ride has been going through the previous two seasons for the team to get within one win of an NBA title, like what's that, what's that been like, not only from a coverage standpoint, but when you look at the organization to being, you know, 15 and 50, the pandemic shortened year ended up with James Wiseman, who hasn't really done anything over his first couple of seasons due to injuries going through the, the heartbreaking loss in the play in to Memphis last year in the 2021 playoffs to, to get right back here. Like what's that been like for, for you and for those around the organization? It's been wild because I think it really makes you just appreciate just how good the, the core trio of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green is right. Cause it's like, you know, we just mentioned six times in eight years. Well, the two times in those eight years that they didn't make it, Clay Thompson was injured mm-hmm. and didn't play. And 
the one time or one of the two times that they made it to the finals but lost, Clay Thompson was injured as well. So, and obviously, you know, I don't want to get into anything that happened uh, in 2016 against the Cavs. Um, very legitimate title for the Cavaliers. I'm just going to put that out there. No asterisks. I'm not one of those haters, but <laughs> the Warriors were compromised as teams so often are. And really this team just, since they've made it to the top of the mountain, they haven't lost when they have had those three players healthy. And that's a remarkable thing. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's fun watching it and it's, it's gotta be satisfying for the organization. Cause you know, a lot of people, a lot of people laughed when the Warriors had their 15 and 50 season and they were getting the number two pick and everyone said, you know, oh, this is unfair. The Warriors have all these great players. And just because they got injured one year and now you get a good lottery pick and you're going to be able to rebuild a new team. And really, they haven't done that. Like you said, James Wiseman really hasn't done anything. It'd be a different story if they drafted LaMelo Ball. Um, but James Wiseman hasn't done anything. Um, really the only contribution they've gotten from the draft in those bad years was Jonathan Kaminga. And that was not even their own pick. That was something they acquired in a trade. So it's, it's just kind of a testament to that core that even with those bad years, once they came back and once they got healthy, they're still right there at the top of the mountaintop. And, you know, you look back on all the preseason predictions, no, you know, people thought the Warriors would be good, but no one had them being this good. Not very many people had them being title contenders, um, championship winners, which obviously they're not yet, but, you know, on the, on the brink of. So, yeah, I think, I think the organization, organization, the team just has to be so excited about that. And for the fans and for covering the team, it's, it's just as a reminder of how special this team is because they've clearly wanted to try and build a sustainable dynasty. And we'll see if they're actually able to do that with, you know, the Kamingas and the Jordan pools and the James Wiseman's and whatnot. Um, because right now this isn't a sustained dynasty that's moving into the next generation. This is just one dynasty that has lasted longer than it should because these players are still really, really good. Even after coming back from injuries, that's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's 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 a it's a feel good story for for the Warriors. Like I said, I think some of the rest of the NBA probably sick and tired <laughs> of seeing Golden State there. Very but, much. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you look at Steph Curry. Um, hard to be a hater of his, just for the fact that I mean, the guy hasn't had any scandals. The guy's been you know pretty on point and amazing. Obviously, as you mentioned, all time great in basketball. Changed the way the game is played with his efficiency and shooting. But looking back at that game five win, right? The the Dubs ended up getting a one hundred four ninety four. Uh, win it, over the Celtics there to, to now go up 3-2 and then on the brink, as you mentioned, of winning another championship. But you look at what Steph Curry did there. He struggled, obviously, after putting up 43 in, in game four. Uh, really willed the Warriors to a dub there. If you, if you, if you, you know, watch that game and, and the people who didn't, if you missed it, I mean, go back and check out the highlights. He was just lights out. But then struggles in game five, right? Goes 0 for 9 from the three-point line. First time in four years, 233 games that he didn't hit a single outside shot. When you, when you look at how Ime Odoka changed things up, tried to get a little bit more aggressive on the pick and rolls, especially trying to get the ball out of his hands or at least having the big man stay up on help and, until the guards can recover. When, when you look at going into game six now, which is going to be tough back at the garden, how are you expecting the Celtics to play Curry in game six? Do you think we'll see something similar to what we saw in terms of strategy to game five? Yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Um, but it, the reality is 
Boston's in such a precarious situation uh, trying to defend this Warriors team because the Warriors have so many secondary scorers. And we saw that with Wiggins stepping up in game five. We saw that with Clay Thompson stepping up in game five, had a very efficient night. Jordan Poole only played 14 minutes, but he had a very efficient 14 points. Um, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too against a Steph Curry team, right? You either need to focus on defending the entire team and let Steph Curry eat you up a little bit, or you need to focus on trying to shut down Steph Curry as much as you can and live with the results of the role players. And I think at this stage, even though, even though the Celtics lost in game five, I think they have to look at that and go, that was a pretty decent defensive performance. Mm -hmm. Uh, They, they lost that game, you know, with all due respect to Andrew Wiggins, who had a great game and was kind of the headline for carrying the team with Steph Curry out. The Warriors won that game because of their defense, you know, a hundred percent. And Wiggins was a big part of that. Raymond Green, big part of that. A lot of players were a big part of that. Um, But I think that's kind of covered up the fact that Boston actually played really good defense on the Warriors. The Warriors offense did not get much going. And and part of that is just Steph Curry missed some shots that he normally will make. He's not going to go 0 for 9 again, even if they, you know, quintuple team him. It's just not going to happen. But I I think Boston has to, you know, uh, apologies for stealing the phrase that you guys have over there in Sixerland, but I think Boston has to trust the process here. I think they have to look at that game and go, yeah, we lost, but we didn't lose because of the way we played defense. We didn't lose because of the way we played Steph Curry. We have to do that again. Uh, if Andrew Wiggins beats you, you live with it a lot more easily than if Steph Curry beats you. Um, I think, I think the Celtics have to have been more encouraged by that game five loss than by that game four loss where, like you said, Curry just carried the Warriors to victory. Um so, yeah, I think we're going to see a similar look from Ime Odoka. I think they'll change some things up just because they've been doing that all series long. They've been wanting to throw new looks at the Warriors because, you know, they're aware of how smart Steph and Draymond are and how much they can catch on to defensive schemes and start to manipulate them pretty quickly. So I think we're going to see a few new looks just for the sake of being new looks. Um, but I think I think Boston has to feel pretty decent about where their defense is right now, and they just need to figure out how to take care of business on the other end of the court. Yeah. The Warriors aren't, aren't scoring a ton. You know what I mean? Even, even the games they've, that they've won in, in the three of them haven't reached 110 points. They haven't even reached 108. So you're looking at that and like, okay, they haven't been um, too great offensively. But as you mentioned, guys like Andrew Wiggins, who was awesome in game five, 26 points, 13 rebounds, fellow Canadians always got to give my respect. You know that too, right, Brady? Um, <laughs> Absolutely, but, uh, but you're looking at, you, you mentioned defensively what what the Warriors have been doing to the Celtics. I want to jump into that with you, looking at Jason Tatum's struggles, uh, looking at Jalen Brown as well. We'll do that after a short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back. Brady, I uh, wanted to get into this before the break. They're talking about the defensive effort from the Warriors. You, you, you look at, at this team, I, I believe they were in the top three throughout the season as well in, in terms of defensive, defensive efficiency or pretty close to it. And you look at what Jason Tatum's been held to right only shooting 36.7 percent from the field uh went 10 to 20 in the in the game five loss for the for the celtics but 8 to 23 in game four 9 to 23 in game three 8 to 19 in game two and even the when they won the opener there were al horford and marcus martin and you know all those guys were going off grant williams he was three of 17 so when you look at what the warriors are doing against him giving him giving him some different looks you're seeing wiggins on him you're seeing gary payton the second on him we've seen belly do a good job on him as well you know what i mean and the and the perimeter so why have the warriors been so successful in slowing down jason tatum in this series well i think part of it and you know apologies for going to a simple and boring answer but i think part of it is just personnel and skill um andrew wiggins has just done a phenomenal job um man defense on jason tatum draymond green we all know how good of a defender he is gary payton the second we all know how good of a defender he is um, Clay has kind of been up and down defensively in this series, but he's had some good games. Like you said, Nemia Bialica has locked up Jason Tatum on a yeah. few possessions. Uh, Kevon Looney, one of the better perimeter defenders for a center in the league. Um, so some of it is just, you know, to borrow some coach speak, some of it is just digging deep and, and playing hard and playing well and having a lot of talent there. But I think, you know, I can't, I can't remember if I, if I said this the last time that you had me on here when we were previewing the series, but I think that the Warriors defense matches up very well with Boston's um, because, you know, if you watch the Warriors defense, the way they play teams with, with star players, we saw this in all three rounds of the, of the Western conference playoffs against Nikola Jokic against John Morant and against Luka Doncic, the Warriors like to play a fair amount of single coverage on superstars with a really, really good defender. And they like to make sure that they keep the offensive flow from occurring. They keep that player from having gravity. They keep that player from getting the offense into a good rhythm. And they're okay with that player feasting in the points column, as long as they're not letting the offense really get going. And so we saw that with Doncic and, and Jokic, right? Those players were putting up some pretty gaudy points numbers, but their assist numbers were not quite what they normally are and the offenses just weren't functioning as well as we're used to seeing those offenses function and i think this the celtics that's kind of their weakness is they they can be susceptible to that and i think part of it is that it's just kind of the last part of jason tatum's game that needs to round into form uh he's still you know he's obviously one of the best players in the NBA, but he's still young. He's still inexperienced. And in my opinion, he has just a little bit of that, um, that kind of Kobe mindset, which he's been open about, uh, where he just kind of wants to try to put the team on his shoulders, will the team to victory. And if you're stopping him from getting efficient looks, he'll 
he'll play into your plan and take some inefficient looks because he's trying to carry the team to victory. And so I think a lot of those, you know, poor efficiency nights that he's had have been because Andrew Wiggins has just been playing really, really good defense on him. And the Warriors have been playing good enough defense on the rest of the team that Tatum feels like he has to take on that bigger role. And he ends up taking some shots that he can make, but they're not necessarily the shots you want to be settling for on every possession. If you're trying to beat one of the best teams in the league for, for a championship. So it's a combination of a few things, but I I do think it's just a really good matchup. I think the Celtics have played into it a little bit. And I think with the exception of that, you know, amazing second half in, in game one, I think the, the Warriors have done a really good job of not letting Boston players not named Jason Tatum beat them. And that's really kept Boston's offense from finding any rhythm. Yeah. And Brady, you go back to that fourth quarter of, of game one where Boston outscored Golden State 40 to 16. It was the Al Horfords, like I said, the the, mm-hmm. the Grant Williams, the Peyton Pritchards, all those guys just, just hitting their shots. And, and we saw that for a bit in game five as well, right? I think the, the Celtics missed the first 12 of outside shots, three point attempts, and then ended up making like eight in a row and the nine of the first, next 10 to get back into the game and, and take the lead before the Warriors put the clamps back down in, in, in the final 15 minutes or so. But when you, when you look at, at game six now, right, going back to Boston, you know, we saw what happened in, uh, in, in game three where, where the Celtics kind of pulled out and, and pulled away in that game. And, and then obviously Golden State with the Superman performance by Steph in game four, looking at, uh, looking at how you think things are going to play out in, in game six, like are the Celtics tired? They've played, you know, seven game series against the heat, seven game series against the bucks now going into another long one against golden state. Like how do you think things are going to shake out in game six? Well, for starters, I think we're just going to see an incredible basketball game. You know, whoever wins, I think it's just going to be a really, really dramatic, fun, entertaining theatrical game. Uh, And I'm very much looking forward to it, but I think we're going to see something, you know, kind of similar to, the, what we've seen in the last two games, um, which is just a really gritty defensive performance from both teams. Um, a lot of grinded out possessions, a lot of fouls, a lot of turnovers. Um, I think we're going to see that high intensity, high stakes basketball that often shows up in the final games of a playoff series. Um, and the teams have really been trending that way, right? Like with the exception of, of Steph Curry's game four performance, Offense hasn't come easily to either of these teams in in a few games now. Um, And I think we're really going to see more of that. I think it's going to be a little bit of a low-scoring game. I think we're going to see pretty similar defensive performances from each team. Um, I expect that Steph Curry will be a lot better than he was in Game 5, though maybe not quite as good as he was in Game 4. But I think we're headed for a game that might be, you know, in the 90s or something like that with with just some highlight plays that are based on strong defense. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe a signature dunk from Andrew Wiggins or Jason Tatum that kind of feels like a momentum creator because neither team is able to manufacture anything going on. Um, maybe some vintage threes by, by Clay or Steph or, or like you said, some of those role players from Boston stepping up. Um, but I don't think it's going to deviate too much from what we've seen, especially these last few games. I think it's just going to be I think it's going to be what we saw in game four and game five, but even more so. See, Brady, here's my thing with, with this series too. I was really looking forward to it because I thought both teams matched up pretty well. And obviously they were, they were two of the best teams in the league throughout 
the back half of, of the season, especially as, as the Warriors, you know, they, they had that fall off around Christmas time and that's when the Celtics started coming back up. But over the last couple of months of the season, up until really Steph got hurt there with the, with the foot injury, which happened against the Celtics, I, I thought these two teams definitely had a chance. I was excited to see it from a entertainment standpoint. None of the five games have been within single digits. They've all ended with, with double-digit differences between the teams. Do you think this has been an entertaining final for the casual fans? Like, where do you think it ranks over, over the, the Warriors series that they played in the finals thus far, as you mentioned, the sixth time in eight years? I think it's been a very entertaining series, but I think you're also just dealing with a star talent deficit um, in this series relative to the Warriors' other ones. And, and that's no shot at Jason Tatum, but, you know, the Warriors played LeBron James a lot of times in the NBA finals, you know, four straight times they played LeBron James and then they played Kawhi Leonard when Kawhi Leonard was kind of at the peak of his, you know, popularity was like where his superstar talent was meeting his, um, you know, player freedom movement. And he had, you know, all this momentum kind of as a, as a storyline. And, you know, with all respect to, to Jason Tatum, he's not at the, at that level. Um, so I think the casual fan maybe isn't enjoying this as much simply for that reason. There's no, there's no LeBron James. There's no Kevin Durant who was around for a lot of those um, NBA finals, but in terms of the product that's been on the floor, I think it's been incredibly compelling. Um, you know, you mentioned that they haven't been in single digits, but most of the games have been really intense fourth quarters, right? Mm-hmm. Either, you know, Boston overcoming a double digit deficit in the fourth quarter to win by double digits, or, you know, the, the last few games have been, or a few of the last few games have been really close in that final minute or two. And then, you know, someone makes a big shot with 50 seconds left and then they go into the whole foul game. And suddenly the the score is not quite indicative of what the game has been. Um, But I think it has been a pretty entertaining series. I think, I think the games have been very competitive. There have been big moments in most of them. I think what it's kind of been lacking is the star performances that you kind of expect in the NBA finals. Um, Steph Curry, obviously in game four had one Um, and really in the first three games he did too, but it wasn't that kind of like eye popping statistical um, game that I think a lot of a lot of NBA fans who maybe didn't watch the rest of the season turn into the NBA finals expecting like, Oh, okay, well, Steph Curry or, or Jason Tatum is going to pop off for, you know, a 50 piece. And, you know, there maybe haven't been the defining moments in this series, the way that you kind of hope for mm-hmm. in an NBA finals. But if you like watching high quality basketball, I don't see how you cannot be entertained by the series, unless you're a Lakers fan who despises both of these teams. Yeah, well, though we know that they that they feel that, but I always find it weird. I think the the Lakers fans only started despising the Warriors over like the last seven or eight years because they didn't care about the Warriors before then. You know what I mean? The Warriors weren't like you mentioned weren't very good. So very true. Um, I for me, like I said, I I found bits of action. You know what I mean? Like you'll go through stretches where it's like, wow, this is really high level of basketball. And then obviously, given the fact both teams do have a ton of turnovers and they honestly do have looked tired at various points throughout the series. So again, for me though, I have, I have enjoyed it. Um, who knows what's going to happen. I'll get you out of here on this though. We don't know if this one's going to go seven, which would happen on Sunday. Game six goes Thursday night in Boston. I have to ask you though, Brady, what is your prediction for game six? I think it's going to be the most entertaining game so far. 
and I think the Warriors win it. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to come down to, you know, the final possession or two. I think it's going to be, you know, a game they win by, you know, two or three points. Um, but I think, I think at this point, this is the point in the series where you're really going to see the difference in experience level between these two teams. Um, Cause credit to Boston who didn't have a single player who had played in the NBA finals entering the mm-hmm. series. Uh, it hasn't looked like they're the less experienced team to this point in the series, right? That fourth quarter comeback in game one on the road, you know, if you didn't have any context, you would think that Boston was the experienced team because they, took a hit and they didn't care and they just came bounced right back um, with, with that kind of veteran poise. But I think now that we're getting deeper into the series, the Celtics are trailing, not just for the first time in the series, but for the first time this postseason, they're, they're behind in a series. Um, they're returning home after having just lost a game at home. Mm-hmm. Um, the Warriors have the momentum. They know how to close series out. And I think this is probably the first time all postseason that Boston is in a position where they might start doubting themselves. They might start feeling pressure, feeling like they're back against the wall a little bit. They've kind of been in the driver's seat all possession, all postseason long. Um, so I think, I think that experience level is finally going to show itself in game six. I think it's going to be a really outstanding, closely contested game uh, that the Warriors win narrowly. And with that said, We've all watched the Warriors and we all know what they're capable of doing for better and for worse. And while I do think that they win a close game, there is also no part of me that would be surprised if they just come out flat and lose by 30. Yeah, and I was going to say that. <laughs> now, now that you said that they're going to win a close one, watch the Celtics are going to win watch, 120 right? to 87. Yeah, and, we're going exactly. to and then the Warriors will come back and win game seven. But, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Thank you for, for, for joining me on here. Always fun talking hoops with you. Uh, we'll see what happens. Game six, we could be going to a game seven. Once things wrap up, maybe we'll do this again next week to kind of do a recap of the series as well. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Jazz. Appreciate it. All right, this Blady Clopper, you can catch him on Twitter at Brady Cluffer NBA. And also don't forget, read his work at our SB Nation sister site, goldenstateofmind.com. That'll do it for this episode. As I mentioned off the top, check out part one where I talk with Tasman Mitchell. He is an assistant coach with the LSU Tigers, talking about Tari Eason's potential fit with the Sixers. And of course, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can do that wherever you get your fix and check us out at libertyballers.com. <laughs>